0: Brethren, in the midst of all the sickness that continues to be reported, I am very thankful to our God that you are here this morning, and I do pray that in this gathering you will know the blessing, the presence, and the power of the head of the church, our beloved Lord Jesus Christ, the great bridegroom. Again, I extend our warmest welcomes and our desire for the Lord's blessing upon all of our visitors this morning. If you are here with us and haven't been here in a while or have never been here, we pray that God in his mercy will lavish his kindness and his goodness upon you. I've already mentioned phones. We've had some that have uh, come in uh, later. If you have a cell phone, please check it now and make sure that it's on mute. It would be a great help to us. We all have enough distractions in our flesh. We don't need chimes going off in our pockets. I don't think that I see any visitors with little ones. So we can move right on here to the uh, to the message this morning. Please uh, open your Bibles to Acts chapter six. Acts chapter six, verses one through four. Acts chapter six, verses one through four. Brethren, we're about to read, we're about to hear the living word of God. Let's give our full attention. But not a parent here that likes to speak to his children with the knowledge that they're not listening. Is that so? Any of the children here ever heard something like, I want you listening to me. Do you hear me? They're speaking in love, by the way. They're saying that to you because they have something important for you to get a hold of and then live. How much more our Heavenly Father? Let's make sure that we hear Him. Please stand with me and we'll read Acts 6, verses 1 through 4. <laughs> Let us read the the words of life. Acts 6, verse 1. And these are the words of God. And in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews, because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason, it's not appropriate, it's not right, that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business but we, we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Amen. Amen. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. Let's remain standing. The living God is here with us. And by prayer... Power of the Spirit and union with Christ, we have audience in the regions of heaven. Let's unite our hearts and our minds before the throne of grace. Our great God. Our glorious, almighty Creator, our sovereign and gracious Redeemer, our Father who art in heaven. We come into thy presence to praise and bless thee. Father, we want our hearts. To gush with thy praise, with love for thee, with true adoration. O fill our hearts. Lord, these are thy beloved blood-bought sheep in thy presence. And so it is around the globe. It started earlier today. It will go into later today. Father, some have finished worshiping, others are yet to. But Father, I pray with all of my heart that in every true spirit established congregation of Jesus Christ, they have known thy blessed presence, that they have known thy blessed power in their souls, that they have left saying, It was good. To be with God's people. Our Lord met with us today. Oh, how we praise Him. Father, may it be so. May we not be as those warned in Ecclesiastes keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God, be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools. O oh God in heaven, The lost cannot but offer the sacrifice of fools. But I pray that not one of thy regenerate people here today will stand with them in the foolish crowd. That our hearts and minds would be tuned to the everlasting truth, the spirit-breathed truth of Almighty God. May the words of God come to us in whatever way we need today. Father, perhaps there are some that are tender, brokenhearted, over sin or some providence. May thy word come with sweetness, with gentleness, and encourage and build up their souls. Lift up the hands that hang down. Strengthen the feeble knees. Without do that, O God, I know thou wilt do that because thou dost love thy people. Thou dost love thy people. That's why thou hast gathered us. Thy purpose is to shower down thy mercies and grace in Christ. Father, if if thy dear children here today have sinned against thee, if they are harboring some grudge, or if there is some sin like a cancer eating away, At their spiritual life, I pray with all of my heart that thou wouldst pour in the balm, that thou wouldst pour in the oil and the wine of the gospel and of thy holy word. Heal, O gracious Redeemer. Father, if thy children are rejoicing, if their hearts overflow, I pray that their worship has been thus, that they sang Undistracted to the great God that they have listened and their hearts have united with all that have prayed. And Father, now I am pleading. Here is thy healing word. Here is thy reproving word. Here is thy strong word. Meet for those that are maturing Lord, there is milk here for those that are young in the faith. Lord, I pray, O Father, come and feed thy children by and through Christ in the power of the Spirit as this feeble vessel of dust speaks thy words. Come, Lord, make thy power known, thy saving power, thy sanctifying power, Make it known, Lord God, breathe the very spirit, the very spirit of life upon us and where any of us needs to repent. Oh God, before we leave the building, may our hearts be yielded up to thee in true repentance. And oh Father, where we have that joy of the love of God poured out in our hearts, May it flow out to thy people today. May it flow back to thee in worship, and may it flow out to thy people. May this truly be a place where God's people come to delight, Lord, even to wallow in thy love for us and for one another. And if that is not so, correct us. Until it is. Now, O God, here comes thy spirit and thy word. We need thee to feed us. We need thee to uphold us. We need thee to comfort us. We need thee to strengthen us. Thou hast told us. What good thing wouldst thou withhold, if thou hast given us thy son? Come and feed. Come, comfort, strengthen, reprove, rebuke, exhort. Whatever we need, bring it. Help this poor vessel of dust to handle thy word in a way for which I can give account in that coming throne of glory. Now, O God, we commend ourselves to Thee and to Thy grace. Come, O blessed Bridegroom, and love Thy bride. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Please be seated. Commissioned by the Lord Jesus Christ, the apostles had preached with great power in Jerusalem from the day of Pentecost. They took every opportunity to preach the message that Christ authorized. Thus it is written, and thus it behoved Christ to suffer, to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. We're seeing the commentary of that worked out before our eyes. The apostles preached that in the power of the Holy Spirit, and the church in Jerusalem was established and increased rapidly. That blessing also brought a problem. Having resolved, uh, or the, 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 Hebrew brethren had overlooked the Greek widows in the daily distribution of food. By the way, this is a footnote here to, to the text. I, I, won't, I won't follow the rabbit that just went by, but I do want you to know the rabbit was here. And it's this, notice the church split set before you. Everybody here needs to wake up and plead with God to give them radar against division. And Satan will always give you a good cause to rally against your brethren for. Now, the apostles assembled the congregation and instructed them to choose seven godly men to handle the problem. Having resolved the problem, the apostles declared that their primary work was devotion to prayer and the word. These two things were their primary work. For these two things were the primary work of Christ himself. And these two things are the primary work of shepherds according to God's heart. The title of this sermon, then, is Devoted to Prayer and the Word, Part 3. May God, our loving Heavenly Father, fill us with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that we might walk worthy of the Lord Jesus unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. And may the Holy Spirit give us greater love for Christ, greater love for His people, and greater love for prayer and the word. In very brief review, we have considered our first main head, which was Christ's apostles understood, they spiritually understood the heart of their ministry. By the authoritative words of the risen risen Christ's commissions the apostles realized that waiting tables and distributing food was not their calling it was not beneath them it was not a demeaning task christ called them to something else and that's what they were to devote their lives to we they said you you handle the widows we will give ourselves continually to prayer And to the ministry of the word. That is the work of shepherds. According to God's heart. Secondly. Shepherds after God's heart. Are devoted. To prayer. We contemplated the pastor. And that he. Or they. Must pray. Must pray. There is. No efficient or efficacious pastoral ministry at any level without much prayer. As Thomas Cobbett told us that to wrestle it out with God on their behalf, that means the congregation's behalf, They had need to have the art of holy wrestling or prayer. You don't just walk into a ring and win a wrestling match. You've got to work out. You've got to work out hard. Because the point is to go in to the match and win. And the work of pastors is to go into the wrestling arena with the purpose of winning for the glory of Christ and building up the church of Jesus Christ. And that means wrestling with their flesh. It means wrestling with the devil and his zillions of demons. And it means wrestling with the world and its seductions. Pastors must pray for themselves. Give ear to my word, O God. Consider my meditation. Every pastor, after God's own heart, that we find from the Old Testament to the New, is a man given to prayer. They must pray away Satan's distraction the backwardness of their sinful flesh the spiritual and physical drowsiness that so often attacks them and they must pray for the salvation of the lost and the sanctification of the sheep again as cobbett said quote prayer helps to open the minister's mouth opens a door of utterance. And with that, we now take up the minister's mouth. Our major heading number three is shepherds after God's heart are devoted to preaching God's word. This is not their hobby. This is their life or they are no pastor appointed by God. Once again, I quote the sacred, infallible text. By the guidance of the Holy Spirit, the apostles declared, we will give ourselves continually to the ministry of the word. In that context, the word the apostles spoke meant Preaching Christ's gospel. But we must also remember, and don't lose this, we must remember that so many of the sermons recorded in Acts all rest on the Old Testament scriptures. Starting with the day of Pentecost and throughout the book of Acts, you will see the apostles regularly appealing to what they are preaching on the basis of what God has said in the Old Testament. The letter to the Hebrews opens with this declaration. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners, spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days... I think most of you know that have been here for any amount of time. Perhaps our visitors are unaware of this. But we've been in the last days for 2,000 years. That's not just something way off in the future. You're in the last days. He hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son. In fact, the entire letter to the Hebrews rests on the foundation of the Old Testament scriptures and seen in the glory and the beauty of Jesus. Jesus is the interpretive element of that entire book. Our great high priest. The one who bends down daily to lift us up from the doldrums and attacks and weaknesses of our flesh, how glorious he is. Now brethren, the God of the Bible, the God of the Bible is a God who speaks. God spoke and created our universe in vast, magnificent, breathtaking splendor. God spoke. And created the beauties of planet earth and his image bearers, man and woman. God spoke to Adam. God spoke to and through Noah, the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Moses, David, Elijah, Elisha, and all the prophets until John the Baptist. It was God speaking through these weak and feeble vessels of dust. Holy Word! Delivered by the sinful flesh of men. They need more than their sinful flesh to deliver that Word. They need the power of God from on high. More of that later. But the point is that God has committed the revelation of that holy history that we've just run over in the spirit-breathed scriptures. How do we know about Moses? How do we know about Elijah, Elisha, and all the rest? How do we know the very word of God that, that he spoke through these men? We have it. We have it. You have God's word. Infallible. Inspired. Life-revealing Word. And when when empowered by the Holy Spirit, life-giving Word. The entire Old Testament is the Word of God. The revelation of God, the Creator. God the Redeemer. God the Sovereign Lord. Jesus preached from that Spirit-breathed Word. Declared Himself the fulfillment of it. And brought new revelation. That tied it all together. The spirit filled apostles. Then preached. The spirit breathed word. And the apostles went forth. And preached everywhere. The Lord working with them. And confirming the word. With signs following. People get. Hung up on the signs when what is focused on here is the Word, the glories of Christ Jesus presented to people such as you and I. The spirit breathed canon of Scripture were finally recognized and received by Christ's congregation as the word of God. Brethren, I'm telling you, we have all been numbed by our flesh. To hear that God, God would speak to us is something we just kind of take for granted. We don't get on our faces and go, Thank you for speaking to me. If you've ever been in a in a friendship or whatever relationship where someone starts stops talking to you it's miserable it is to me it's miserable why are not you talking to me what's the matter with you what's the matter with me and that silence is troubling there were times in the scriptures where God said that's it I'm not saying anything for a while And God's people went a long time without any light, not sure to where where to put their foot down. Brethren, is it surprising for you to think, and I hope you have, what if the tyranny that we see rising should say, burn the Bible's? What would you think? And they run out some of their false prophets to say, If you love everybody like Jesus said, get rid of that book of hate. God has spoken and He's given it to us. Are we listening? Are you listening? Shepherds of Christ's blood bought flocks are to preach the 66 books of the prophets, the apostles, and Jesus' spirit breathed revelation in the churches. Jesus said, I will build my church. How does that happen? If you were to say to anyone that that still had some functioning gray matter all these houses on the block just happened they just popped up there they are I don't know how they got there but there they are I'm amazed I wake up in the morning and I think how did I get in the house that I'm in how where did these things come from that would be ridiculous It would be blindness of the greatest level. Everyone knows someone designed that. And then somebody went to work to build it. Jesus designed, listen carefully, because we live in an age that does not want to believe this, designed his purpose for eternity to be carried out by the churches. The churches, the gathered blood-bought people of God that are the living stones being built into the temple of God. Ah, oh, no, we don't need that. In fact, the church—we don't really need the church. Then you are lost. What happened on the day of Pentecost? The first thing the Lord did was add three thousand people to a congregation. He started a congregation. The very outworking of the Great Commission is not only the salvation of souls, but the establishment of churches, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded unto you. That doesn't happen on the street corner. That happens in the gathering of God's people, whether they have a building or whether they're meeting in a cave. Satan wants what Jesus loves to be despised and rejected by those who wear his name. Well, the churches are full of hypocrites. Where else are you going to find them? There's, no, there's nothing on the face of this earth that sets a higher standard and level of living than the word of God. Who keeps it perfectly here? Please stand up and tell us how you do it. And if you can't, then the point is made. Jesus builds his church by saving sinners and compressing them into bodies called churches. And they hold on to the head, we read in Colossians. Jesus saves. That's how sinners are saved. And that is how Christ's people are set apart from the world. Did you hear that? God's people are set apart from the world. That's what holiness means. That's what sanctification is all about. Your life begins to stand up in the darkness of your home, your neighborhood, your city, your state. And says, there's something different about this person. They talk about not doing this or doing that because the Bible says so. Exactly. That sets God's people forever apart from everybody else. My sheep hear my voice, said Jesus. And I know them. And he doesn't say, and they know me back. He says, and they follow me. A Christianity that doesn't follow Jesus under the cross is no biblical Christianity. Christ's people are set apart from the world by the word of God. That is how God's kingdom advances through the world. How is the kingdom going to spread like the wonderful leaven set forth in the parables? How's it going to spread the preaching of the word? It's not just oh I'm a little nicer person than the people next door. Now it's important that your life says something, but it should be saying what the scriptures are saying. This is how we know God's people ultimately. Is that they follow follow Christ. Are you getting legalistic? Go take that up with Jesus. He said, He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. I was talking, uh, witnessing to someone this last week, and I pointed to the blessed Lord Jesus Christ. And the person said, oh, I believe in Jesus. Oh, I said, well, wonderful. I said, when we look in the scriptures, when we believe on Jesus, we learn to love Jesus. Oh, I love Jesus. I said, wonderful. And Jesus himself said, if you love me, keep my commandments. It wasn't followed up with, oh, I obey Jesus. Brethren, you have been sold a stinking bill of goods, often in the name of grace. You are given grace by God to cover all your sins and to strengthen you to walk according to God's word. It could not be plainer if you don't have a built-in filter keeping you from seeing it. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation, hath appeared, teaching us that I look like the world, I sound like the world, I want to do the things the world wants to do, but I made a decision, so I'm on the way to glory. It's not there. There's a balance, there must be a balance, but just because you call people to obey the commands of scripture does not make you a legalist. Can it be done legalistically? Oh, it sure can. If you think you're meriting anything with God, that's false. But you've been set free to walk with Jesus, which is something you wouldn't and couldn't do before. It's going to be full of holes. It's going to be weak. You're going to fail and repent. Uh, What? You're going to fail and repent. If you fail. And then you go back to your vomit. The scripture has strong language for you. But we all fail beginning behind the pulpit. The thing is, I have a I can look daily. To that holy one whose precious blood washed away all my crimes Preaching of the word is how the kingdom advances throughout the world. Are you getting the picture? God spoke. Jesus spoke through the prophets. Jesus spoke, uh, I mean, God spoke through the prophets. God spoke through Christ the Son. God spoke through the apostles, and God speaks through the elders, the pastors, according to his own heart, in the churches that he establishes. To say, I don't need a church, is to say, I will not have this man, Christ, to rule over us. Oh, I'm so much better than those hypocrites down there. I'm not going. There may be a time to say in a church, man, there's no life here. There may be a time to run for the door. Don't misunderstand me. But the fact of the matter, if you can find a group of people that really want to walk with Christ, love him, and love one another, you want to saddle up with them, Unless all you want to do is scratch your nagging religious itch. Peter declared in, De- in Cornelius' house, <laughs> in the church that I pastored before I came here, we had a family that would invite us over. And... There were a number of things that they did in, in their lives that did not seem congruent with the word of God. And I would try to urge them to think what the scriptures say about this or that. Think about this and pray about it. After I left, I found out from someone else that they said, this guy will come into your house and tell you what you're doing wrong. Sure did, because I loved them. And they had their hands on filthy things. Not just according to my conscience. We could have gone a lot further if I had just made my conscience the rule. I'm talking about God's word. Brethren, in Cornelius' house, the word which God sent unto the children of Israel went right into Cornelius' house. Preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word, I say, ye know, which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee. He says, look, this is is an old news story. We've heard this one. But it's coming to you. It's coming to you Gentiles. It's not just for the Jews. Peter had to learn this. And he said, he commanded us to preach unto the people. That means the Jews. And to testify that it is he, Christ, which was ordained of God to be the judge of quick and dead. To him give up judgment. You brought up judgment when you're talking to these people. What's the? Are you some kind of crazy fundamentalist? What's the matter with you? Yeah, he brought up judgment. That's why it needs to be brought up. He commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of quick and dead. Why didn't he just say, oh, he just loved y'all so much. Why don't y'all jump on board? Love train. He didn't do that. He spoke very plainly to them because he loved their immortal souls. I've said it before. I will say it again. To be faithful To Christ means to reject the pursuit of popularity, plain and simple. To him give all the prophets witness that through his, in other words, Peter just said the whole Old Testament points to Jesus. That news that you've heard about, that was the fulfillment of what all the Old Testament was talking about. All the prophets witness. And he says that through his name. That beautiful name. Whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. They didn't know Peter. Peter said there's a day of judgment coming. But you've heard that stir about this guy Jesus. You've heard the news. I'm telling you that's what the whole Old Testament was talking about. And if anybody believes on Him, the God-man, they'll be saved. They will receive remission of sins. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. Heard what? It wasn't about a feeling, was it? He just said some kind of hard stuff. I'm not sure I like this guy very much. Your liking the messenger does not matter. Now, I'm not saying let's just all be as obnoxious as we possibly can. <laughs> I mean, it seems like there are some, some preachers and other Christians that somehow think holiness is kind of on the obnoxious meter. The mo- when it buries itself in the red, you must be really holy, and it's just you're really obnoxious. Okay, not talking about that, but I'm talking about telling people the truth, giving them what? The word, the words of God. Here's what Jesus has preached. Here's what Jesus is. Here's what Jesus has called us to. Listen to Paul charging Timothy in the presence of God and the coming Lord and judge Jesus Christ. If you've ever looked at that that chapter carefully, that's a stunning thing. Paul says to this younger brother, in the light of Jesus coming back, you need to do this. What is it? Preach the word. It never changes. The method never, never changes. Preach the word. Timothy, you've been with me. You've seen how it goes. Now you do it. Preach the word. Don't move from it. Be instant, in season, out of season. It's not always going to be comfortable. It's not always going to be convenient. But do it. Preach. Preach every opportunity that you have. It may only be a brief moment of telling someone about Jesus Christ. But do it. Amen. Be instant, in season, out of season. Listen carefully to the words, the Holy Spirit gave. First on the list, reprove, rebuke, ooh, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. Whew. Paul needs to like, uh, get unstressed, right? Man, you're so intense, Paul. What's the matter with you? Let me tell you what the matter with Paul is. He knows that those who close their eyes in death without Christ will lie down in the flames of hell forever. And he says, now, our work is to go in and to destroy the thinking of the world with the truth of God. That's not going to be easy. That's even more amazing when we think that Timothy... Was at the church in Ephesus, the one that Christ threatened taking away their candlestick. Hey, you look pretty good on the outside, y'all. You got the right confession, you got the right translation of the Bible. You all wear the same thing, you look just great. But you have left your first love. Exhort them with all long-suffering and doctrine. Ooh. (laughs) Who wants to do that? Who wants to be patient with people that often don't listen? Well, ask parents. (laughs) Look at those children and go, all right, look, you've had five years now. You're out. We've told you what to do. You're not doing it. You're out now. Go find another place to uh, buy your clothes and feed you. You, Buy. Now, I know you're tempted to think that way some days. You all hear the laughing, right? All right. Parents, if you'll just come back and think what you think regularly and look at the Word of God, why do you think that the family of God is different? There's authority in God's family. And it needs to rule in reign, in love, and in encouragement, but without backing down. And you need to be ready to reprove, rebuke, exhort for their sake. It's not so that you can tell everybody what to do. Boy, that's when elders really go wrong. I mean, Paul talks to Titus, and he says, well, you know, here, here's the word Here's the word on the Cretans, their evil beasts, slow bellies. That means gluttons, by the way. A slow belly is a glutton. The Greek word's very graphic. It's like somebody that you look and you see them coming, and the one thing that sticks out to you is their belly. <clears throat> I didn't make the word up. Why did God use that? Well, what did, P- what, what, what did Paul say? to Titus. Now, whatever you do, don't bring any of those subjects up. They get offended really quickly. You know what? That might hurt their feelings if you do that. So don't do that, okay? Find a way to take the story about Jesus and put it down into like a little cartoon thing that kind of makes him non-threatening, This is going to be our judge, friends. We better know something about him. No, Paul didn't say that to Titus. If we were to do it today, someone would tell him that. You know, you're not very loving, Titus. And he could say, well, this is what Paul told me to, to do. What did he tell Titus to do? Rebuke them sharply. The Greek means if you have to hurt them. For their soul's sake. Now, you don't start there, and I'm not advocating that. Any parent that just starts, you know, with the the lessons in friction are missing a, a very important biblical point. You don't start there, but you can end up there. And when you do, do you do it just because you're a mean, hateful, awful parent or because you love them and you know that they're on a path of self-destruction when they don't learn how to have self-control. Tell you what, parents, if you're not teaching your children self-control, you are destroying them. When their sexual powers hit them, I can tell you what's going to govern if they haven't learned self-control. All of these things that you could say about godly pastors, about the apostles, are what you would hear about any loving parent. Love them, encourage them, build them up in the faith, but when they need correction, correct them. And when they don't take the correction, you need to discipline them. Now, every parent here believes that, or you're not believing the scriptures. You may have your own little, as the way we bring them up, well, I'd urge you to talk to God about that. He's very explicit. Now, that's why Paul says, preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. With patience. What should temper that patience? Love. Isn't that right? Grace, mercy, love, isn't that the way God is with you? There are times when you have to really think about how you're going to deal with a certain situation and discipline so that it will be the most effective. That's precisely what we see in the Bible. Paul doesn't say, whenever they mess up, kick them out. He doesn't start there. How does he say it? He says, well, if somebody has sinned against you, and you know they've sinned against you, or at least you're pretty convinced that biblically they've sinned against you, go talk to five people and ask them what they think you ought to do. Don't do that. Go to them. If you won't do that, stop calling yourself someone who loves Jesus because you're disobeying him outright. That's the fact. If you've got a problem with somebody, go to that somebody. See, these are all parts of preaching whatsoever things I've commanded you. Jesus gave us an entire chapter, Matthew 18, on discipline and forgiveness. He puts both of them in the same chapter. But it's pretty hard on those who won't forgive. Do you believe this book? Do you really honestly believe this book? And do you devour it so that you can walk according to it? Or are you happy just to bounce off that sermon from Sermon Audio and that one over there, and I just read a book. It's great to read a book. You can come to my house and see that I think books are okay. You might even think that my books are a form of bail, but they're not. <clears throat> They're my friends. They're my they're the ones that argue with me. They're the ones that rebuke me. They make me realize how little I think. I thank God for them. Preach the word. Be instant in season out of season. I'm repeating this on purpose. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. This is the way it goes. You don't, like I said, you don't just begin with the negatives. But it's interesting that the Holy Spirit tells Timothy. They need some help. Start here with reproof. Now, reproof, by the way, in the minds of some is something like always somebody with a red and angry face and juggler veins popping out at least an inch and a half on each side. Uh, rebuke is, it might be like that, but rebuke is simply showing somebody their error. That's all it is. Uh, brother, sister, you know, the word of God calls us to this. Have you considered maybe that what you said or what you're doing might be violating that? That would be a rebuke. It's not like this. God revealed his word. Then prophets preached God's word. Christ preached God's word. The apostles preached God's Word, and now pastors are appointed to preach God's Word. They're all fallible, every pastor, every one of them. You're not going to find one that's perfect. If you've got a really long checklist, you don't even have to throw the anchor out here. I'm not going to make a long checklist. And it's the same in every church. If there is a faithful pastor there, he's a weak and feeble vessel of dust but he's commanded to live according to the word of God and to model it to God's people and you'll get to watch him fall on his face from time to time he will if you're looking for the perfect preacher that's called heaven it's not here So it's the preaching of God's word, beginning with God and down through the ages. One program, preach the word, preach the word. Tell people what God says. Tell people what God is like. Tell what God has done to save sinners from their sins. Now, I want to repeat this. This is something of a summary. Christ... Was the greatest preacher that ever lived. He was the perfect preacher. He is the perfect preacher. His word still preaches. But all the rest of us that handle it need help. We need prayer. By the way, pastors preach for the glory of God. They should. If they just want a following, hey. Get your own TV show, get your own radio show, and get groupies. That's what a lot of them do. Make sure you're checking how you're doing on the hit parade with sermon audio. Make sure you're checking how many downloads you've got. But if you want to serve Christ, just prepare yourself to be nobody. That's it. Just nobody. Nobody. I'm just serving the Lord. And if he'll use me, I'll do all I can to bring him glory. So, pastors preach for the glory of God, not for themselves, not to get a following, not to see their name in lights, not to be the one who sells out all the conferences and everybody's got all of his tapes. Oh, just like the world. Hmm. No, they preach for the glory of God, the salvation of sinners, the sanctification of the saints, the building of Christ's churches, and the advancement of God's kingdom throughout the nations of the world. That's what they're about. That's what real elders, real pastors are about because that's what the book says, period. Well, What is preaching? Considering our time, I will not finish this heading. But I will, I will give you a start. What is preaching? Let me say at the outset, preaching is like prayer. Both are supernatural. You cannot effectively do them in the flesh. Oh, now you can fool people and it looks like you're effective. You might be one of those wonderful narcissists who know how to get virtually everybody around them loving them and getting rid of those who don't. But I'm saying to you, brethren, as much as I know how, preaching is supernatural. Anybody can get a concordance, put a, a bunch of verses together, put together, if they, and, and if they're a good and cogent thinker, they can put a storyline together and they can preach something that they call a sermon. And there will be people who will sit and hear them and say, Yeah, not bad. But real biblical preaching is supernatural, it is powerful, it is creative. We'll spend more time on that next week. It's creative. Jesus, who was the greatest and is the greatest, preacher, teacher, elder, bishop of our souls, great shepherd of the sheep. Jesus stood before the Jews and said, if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you don't have any life in you. Oh, oh, somebody should have pulled him aside and said, I Man, you don't have to say that. Right? That was offensive. Let me tell you what. Jesus knew it was offensive, and he did it on purpose. If you don't drink my blood, if I said that from here, y'all would have me carted out before the sermon was over. The guy's been watching too many vampire movies. What's wrong with him? Right. drink my blood and eat my flesh or you don't have any life wow and then it says a whole bunch of his disciples left this is John 6 we want to check it out and he turns and looks at his disciples and he didn't say sorry guys I blew that one I was having kind of a bad day you know I mean It was just getting on my nerves. I've been healing people all week. I've been doing that. Jesus turned and said, are you going to leave too? What a test. Are you going to leave too? Peter, for a change, had the right answer. Lord, to whom would we go? Thou hast the words of life. Why do we want Jesus? Because he is life and he gives us the words of life. He encourages us. He builds us up. He strengthens us. He rebukes us. So what is preaching? What is it? Well, um, uh, you know, a guy gets up there and talks for a short time or a long time, kind of like the first one. What, what, what is preaching? Well, let's just start with this. John R. DeWitt answers, quote, This is not an easy question to answer. <laughs> That's right. It isn't. It isn't. The subject is large, he says, complex, and glorious all at the same time. The old definition of preaching is still a good one. Preaching is the exposition and application of the word of God. Close quote. That's a good short definition. You say what this book says, and then you apply it to men and women's souls. It's more than that, but that's, that's an adequate old definition. People are still trying to define it. Another man says that preaching is the verbal proclamation by the church of the whole message of the Bible, the whole counsel of God, close quote. It's just uh, just like when we looked at prayer a few weeks ago and we started looking at just these wonderful definitions and all of them had different facets and different aspects. Why? Because it's supernatural. It's supernatural. True preaching comes in the spirit of God. And it goes to hearts. And I'll tell you, when it's true preaching, number one, the regenerate like it. Even when they're rebuked. They go, thank you, thank you, Lord. Thank you for showing me in the mirror of your word what I am. I'm so thankful I have a Savior. I'm so thankful that Jesus Christ has died for my sins. And we don't go home going, Man, that preacher doesn't like me. That's got nothing to do with it. Whatsoever. Preaching is taking the word of God and it's applying it to people. And when you apply it to people, the regenerate will be thankful. The worldly will be displeased. And the hypocrite will find another church, generally. Because we're all... everybody would Everyone that says you're a Christian here, you'll say, I'm a sinner, right? I'm a sinner. Oh, you don't have to remind me. Let me just... Let me just look to Jesus and be okay. You're not okay. I'm not okay. You need a Savior all day, every day. Not just, oh, when my feelings are hurt or when I'm bummed out. Not just when I've failed. Oh, I've failed. failed. People are not going to think I'm spiritual. (laughs) Every time I make a mistake, which is regularly, I don't mind telling the staff, oh, and you thought I was perfect. Sorry to let you down. They know better. Brethren, are you getting this? Preaching is something that God lovingly gives his people because they all need correction all the time. And they all need comfort all the time. They all need to be encouraged to walk in the faith. They need to have joy, unspeakable and full of glory. And they also need to have times when they realize, I have been sinning against God and I need to repent. All of it, it all goes together. It's not either or. It's never either or when it comes to the Christian life, except either you're a Christian or you're not. There's not any any other option. So preaching, brethren, is something that's hard to define. But let me say one last thing. Actually, two. Let me say this. I'm going to jump down here in my notes because I want you to think About this. We'll come back to this heading. God willing next week if the Lord so permits. But the issue of preaching is the most important act. Of a pastor as far as the sheep go. Now the most important act in my opinion as I said last week is prayer. Because it is prayer that opens the preacher's mouth. It is prayer that gives him the things to say. It is prayer from which he gets his text and he gets his light from God. He gets his encouragement. He gets his strength. He gets his own rebukes. But listen, and we'll we'll go through the steps of this, but I want to bring you to a conclusion. There's a, a man by the name of Jonathan Griffiths. Griffiths that wrote a book called Preaching in the New Testament. And it's a biblical theological study. He takes the idea of of preaching and and looks at it, bird's eye view throughout the whole scripture, but comes especially to the New Testament and he begins to show what New Testament preaching really is. Listen, Listen to what he says here. Preaching, here's the simple part. Preaching is the proclamation of the word of God. In one sense, that's all you need to say. In fact, I can even make it simpler. Preaching is God speaking to you. Let me say it again. Don't confuse that with the pastor. But preaching is God speaking to his blood-bought people. It's not part of it that, oh, we like it or not like it. It's what, was, what did God say to me today? What did his word say? Did that fellow have anything right about what he was saying about God's word? Or is that true? Are you Berean? Will you check it to see if it's what God's word really means, not just what it says? But Griffiths comes to this conclusion. It's not only preaching. It, uh, it's not only proclamation of the word of God. he he states this, quote, this is one of the best things I've heard anyone say in a long time. The New Testament makes it clear that preachers act as God's heralds who proclaim his word on his behalf. When authentic, faithful Christian preaching of the biblical word takes place, that preaching constitutes a true proclamation of the word of God that enables God's own voice to be heard. Close quote. I believe that with all my heart. Or I wouldn't get up here. In other words, if you just come away, and those of you have been here any amount of time, you've heard me say this. If you come away just hearing me, you go away a pauper. You go home a, a, a spiritual poverty-stricken human being. But if in the Spirit of God I am telling you what the text says, what the text means, and apply it properly to your life, you have heard from God. And you need to walk in it. Stop and think about it. How many sermons have you forgotten? How many of them have shaped your life so that you are beginning to think a different way? You're beginning to think according to what you're seeing in the scriptures. And you're beginning to ask yourself, wow, Lord, does this really dishonor you? If it does, I want to get rid of it as soon as possible. Or will you get on the Internet and look for somebody that will agree with you? Keep it in your life. It's your liberty. Oh, brethren, God speaks. We have a speaking God. He speaks to us. And he uses these weak and feeble vessels to do it. I don't understand that. In my thinking, it would be a whole lot better if there was an angel standing here who couldn't err. But this is God's way. So, pastors after God's own heart. Preachers, shepherds after God's own heart. Want the word of God? Study the word of God, not so they can say, "Uh, I know more than you do, but to be able to say to Christ in the day of judgment, I did did what I could. I did everything that I could to tell your people what you mean and what you want from them so that they can honor you. And that's just the heart of any pastor. A real, biblical, called and authorized by Christ, recognized by the church, pastor. So, let's think about those things. Talk about them at lunchtime today. Think about your own reading and study of the word. Think about your relationship to Christ, not according to how you feel today, but according to what the word of God says. And if you're not clear, then there are people you can talk to and fellowship with and ask. Brethren, as we look for an elder, we ought to be able to see the sparks of this at the very least in him. Someone who cares for the souls of people at the cost of their friendship. <clears throat> now that being said, We want our eyes always turned to the Lord Jesus Christ. I didn't get to that part. We'll get to that next week. You will find that more edifying and encouraging, I hope. But the fact of the matter is the things that are said before you here today are very important. You either heard God today or you did not. If you did, what will you take of what he said and say, I'm going to do what I can in prayer to live this. That's what we're here for, the glory of Christ, the education of his people. Amen. Father, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your grace. I thank thee for thy holy word. It is beautiful. It is full. And this whole thing of preaching is so very difficult, Lord. I need every every bandage, every supplement, every medication, Spiritually, to make this preaching better, but oh God, it comes through such a weak vessel. But I pray with all of mine heart, Lord, that thou wouldst help thy people to go home and think, Oh, what did God say to me today? I pray it in Jesus' name, Amen. Please stand with me. grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began but now is made manifest and by the scriptures of the prophets according to the commandment of the everlasting God made known to all nations for the obedience of faith to God only wise, be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. Let's go in the name of the Lord Jesus.